Welcome to Epic Moses, the teaching ministry of Chris Morgan. May the light of God illuminate your heart and may the truth make you free as you listen. Whenever I think of the word God, what usually comes to mind is creator, all-powerful, all-knowing, and things like that. The image that usually pops into my mind are the image of an old man sitting on a white throne. He's not a black man, no. Funny enough, he's always a white man with white hair and beard. Kind of like Father Christmas, actually. However, as I start to really analyze my own thoughts, I begin to realize the stereotypes loaded in my thinking pattern. Nothing I thought about God has anything to do with facts. It's all about an impression made on me. I have been taught to think of God in the way I do. The movie The Ten Commandments, which was filmed around the 40s or 50s, has been a very strong influence on me. It was so well presented by its producers that I I sort of expect God to sound the way it was presented in that movie. Most times I even forget that Moses, Jesus, Paul, and the rest of them didn't speak King James English, but spoke Hebrew and Greek. In addition, thinking of God as male is another very strong and widespread stereotype. I'm not sure where it came from, but I think it has to do with the fact that it is a popular belief that the male species of man was created first. And it was called Adam. However, that is a very wrong notion. The book of Genesis 1.27 says it clearly. So God created man in his own image and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. The fact is that according to this scripture, the first man created was hermaphrodite. Both male and female. The decision to separate the sexes into individual bodies was eventually made and the female component was separated into another body, but it remained the same person in two bodies. That's why Adam said in Genesis 3.23, he said, Now this is the bone of my bone, the flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of the man. Notice that it was Adam who named woman, not God. In the eyes of God, they are both the same. In a nutshell, what I'm saying here is that the female men are not an afterthought. Neither are they inferior to the male species. When Christ said in Matthew 19.6 that what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. He wasn't just talking about marriage, no, but about the equality of the sexes. Which is why in verse 4 of that same chapter, Christ reminded them that male and female were made together. 
Christ only said these things because of the Jewish laws which gave men more rights than women. Now I said all this simply to come to the conclusion that God is neither male or female. God is God. Now that I have gone through things that I had pictured God to be through influence, let me now examine what my picture of God should have been on the basis of knowledge. Now this topic is likely to last a few episodes. So I will be taking the points one after the other in each episode until the issue has been exhaustively treated. First and foremost, God is a spirit. I cannot stress that fact enough because its implications are quite far-reaching. Now the next logical question should be, what is a spirit? Though the answer to this question is actually very long-winded, let me simply give a short version to save time. A spirit is simply a life force, the causative of everything in existence. This means that whenever you trace the source of anything, you will eventually end up at a spirit. When you talk about the spirit behind anything, you are talking about what makes that thing exist in the first place. Beyond a spirit, you can go no further. This is the reason for the existence of all things. It is causative because it is the cause of every other thing. Therefore, it cannot be influenced by anything, but influences all things. For example, human beings are made up of many layers, but once you get down to the level of spirit, you can go no further. Every human being only exists because of the spirit. The human spirit is the causative factor of human beings, meaning that human spirits cannot be influenced by any other components, but it it influences all of them. There cannot be a body without a soul. There cannot be a soul without a spirit. However, spirit can exist without all. So God is the ultimate of all ultimates. Beyond God, you can go no further. And without God, nothing can exist. However, God can exist without all. God cannot be influenced by anything, but God influences all things. Now, the word spirit comes from the Greek word pneuma. It literally means a current of air or wind. It's not just talking about air, but air in motion. Obviously, this name is allegorical. God cannot be air. However, the term is derived from the characteristics of wind. Wind is powerful but invisible. You can only see it by observing what it is doing. You can't see wind, but you know what it's doing because of its effect on the things it is moving about. 
In that same way, you can only observe a spirit by looking at the things it is moving about. Human spirits possess souls which it uses to operate the human bodies through which it makes expression within the physical world. Now let's get this clear. A spirit cannot operate anything physical directly because physical things are far below the nature of a spirit. So, for a spirit to have control on anything physical, there must be an intermediate agency through which the spirit can exercise control on the physical thing. That's where the soul comes in. The spirit, which is the life force, influences the soul. Then the soul, through its connection to the mind, operates the brain which now turns thoughts into action. Therefore, all physical actions ultimately came about over time because of the influence of spirits. Now bringing it down to God, God is the ultimate life force, which means God cannot have direct contact with physical things because the nature of God is far above and beyond the nature of all things known and unknown. Therefore, God must operate through agencies which will cascade God's influence down the line, all the way down to the desired level of action. That is why God always works through the agency of angels. There are different levels of angels. Some are even designated archangels because of the level of their authority. But beyond that, I have come to know that there are innumerable levels of angels in existence. Some are even human or like human. Those ones who came to eat with Abraham are certainly human or like human. There are angels in operation in every single dimension all with a singular purpose of cascading the purpose of God down to the desired level of operation just the way it happens in a human body from the spirit to the soul to the mind to the brain then to the body it is not a popular knowledge but the entire Old Testament is actually designated as the dispensation of angels this is because every single interaction with God which took place in the Old Testament was done by angels and most of the decisions made in the affairs of men were made by angels. For example, it was an angel of the Lord who appeared to Moses in the burning bush. The angel interacted with him and gave him the laws. It was the angel back that Moses saw. How do I know these things? 1 John 4.12 says that no man has seen God at any time. Acts 7.53 says they received the law in the Old Testament through the direction of angels. And also in Hebrews 2.2 it says the law received through angels in the Old Testament was powerful. God had to relate to them through angels because they were dead spirit beings. However, 
we today can receive directly from God because we have spiritual life through Christ. We are born again. Therefore, God can only reach you directly through your heart if you have life. Because only your spirit component is within direct reach of God. If there has to be words in human language, then an angel must be deployed to bring that message down to you. The angel can come in the soul dimension or the message can further cascade down to another lower angel in the physical dimension. It may end up being your pastor or your friend. Anyone can end up playing the role of an angel depending on where the target of the message is. This finally brings me to what Christ said about worshipping God in spirit and in truth and why it is so crucial. In the book of John 4, 23 and 24 it says, But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. And verse 24 says, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Since the exit of man from his spiritual estate, which is known as the Garden of Eden, having to leave until the ground, which represents the mingling with nature and the gathering knowledge through experience, man has been on a journey back to God in the spiritual dimension. It is like being planted in the ground for the purpose of receiving a harvest. Humanity has been planted by God in nature and a harvest is expected at last. Man has been on that journey since Adam. But Christ came as an example and a forerunner for that new dimension. He was planted, he grew out and a harvest was received. Man has over the years functioned as a natural being. Man who was made in the image of God as a spirit fell from the spiritual dimension and operated no better than animals. However, over the years, man has been having a series of mental awakenings which we refer to as mental evolution up till now where we are. A final link up back into the spiritual awakening is required for man to return back into the spiritual estate from which he fell. For that, the divine help of spiritual regeneration is necessary. This is where the agency of Christ comes in. Christ was to lead humanity into that new level as the firstborn by sharing the nature of life which he acquired with us who believe in him. This has been the intention from the very beginning and the time for its fulfillment has finally come. So Christ declared, it is time for those who worship God to do so in spirit and truth. No more going through angels and intermediaries. No more worship through symbols and forms. The forms of the Old Testament worship have been done away with for the reality of the spirit. No more dead prayer rituals, but direct communication to a heavenly father. 
No more waiting for angels to stir the waters and to carry messages from distant dimensions with the dangers involved in the journey. Just like the angel who brought message for Daniel in 21 days and went through detention in the process. We can simply receive directly the impulses of our Heavenly Father spiritually and act as agents of light ourselves. No more burning bush and pillars of cloud and fire to impress your flesh. God is done with that show. It is time to rise and take your place in the spiritual reality of God and be counted in their midst. Therefore, rise from your dead works into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. We are no more children under the tutorship of angels, but sons of God in our own right. For a child is no different from a servant in action, but sons speak for their fathers. We will continue this topic next week with the look into the sovereignty of God from another perspective. Until then, thank you for listening and God bless you. Hope you were blessed by these teachings. For inquiry, support and contributions, kindly send us an email on epignosis721 at gmail.com You can also send us a message via WhatsApp on 234 We would love to hear from you. God bless you.